0: You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowen, Mike Pretz, Kat Kalin, Jason Dickinson, and Brian Cole. We were talking about how when I was up in New York last week, we walked uh, several days. We walked eight, eight and a half miles every day. And one time I asked my wife, I was like, uh, so how many calories and stuff do we burn? She goes 400 calories. Good God, man. It's only like two donuts. That's it? You got to carry a rock, up. man. You got to have some weight <laughs> <cable laughs> on your back. Yeah. Uh, I'm just now getting over this frozen shoulder. I don't know if you guys have ever had that before. But... Wait, wait, are
1: you 65? Are you yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: got shingles in the frozen shoulder. Hold, hold, hold on a second, Mike. Got something here. Hold it. <laughs> oh, I <didn't> do it. <laughs> hey scott are you, are you do you do the go ruck stuff
1: yeah do you have one of those products the one of theirs or just use a regular rucksack
2: no i have three go rucks man i'm um, in <laughs> the fourth coming soon jen piquette promised me one of the gr ones that she has i just
1: i just ordered one um yeah and they contacted me yesterday just the rucker the small small one yeah. just, just for that i was gonna wait down and start using. And uh, they sent me a note yesterday saying, "Hey, we're out of that color, and all they have is like black and red." And I waited, but um, so I guess I'm getting Alice out of the uh, out of storage because I haven't run in two and a half years since I had knee surgery. Yeah, and I just started thinking, man, I need to get outside and do something. I mean, I do a lot of kettlebell stuff and I lift a lot, but I need to get outside now that the weather is great. I mean, it's 30 degrees in the morning around here, and. You know, just get out as the sun's coming up and take the dogs out and go.
2: Yeah, I told you about I just passed four thousand kilometers from my uh Ruck for KIA personal it's, project I, right? I so, remember
1: that, but I didn't remember yeah. if you were actually using one of the one of the GR products.
2: Yeah, so I have um I have the G R two, the big one, and I take mm-hmm. that thing is if you've got four hundred bucks to blast on a on a go ruck product, that thing is you the heat. with it? Oh yeah, I use that thing for everything, man. And I have two of the little bullet ones um, that I use for like just throwing my surface in and walking around town, whatever. Um, I don't go anywhere without those things, man. Like I, I love them. Yeah, they are they are top notch here.
1: Yeah, they're durable. I've I've seen them. I just I never I never bought the bullet yeah. and bought one. You know that I don't I don't know the kid uh, that started the company, but um, Jason he was on my buddy's. Yeah, yeah he's on my buddy's team, Bobby Torcas team in tenth group. Bobby was my medic. Uh, came out on the eight list, went across the hall and took four, six as I went to, I think I went to branch after that, but, uh, and I never met him, but I know that, I know that he came out of the same building and everything. And I always wanted to buy one. I just, I didn't break down and order one until last week. And then he called me and said, Hey, we're sorry. We're out of that color. They have a pretty cool, you can sign up for
2: an affiliate program and you get 8% off of whatever you order and then you can send a link to other people and whatever and you can get 8% of what they spend as well. So it's, it's pretty neat if you have like a community of people that you want to get into it. I mean, they're expensive. Yeah. They're a hard thing to sell, right? Like you need a couple hundred you know, dollar
1: backpack. But You know, man, it, I, the reason I really bought the bullet on it is they, they've got some ID.me account or whatever and I put my teacher credentials in there and they gave it to me at 40% off. Yeah. So, it's, that, I mean, it's a you're right. of a company, but that, that's a good, I mean, they, and they do it for law enforcement, firefighters, military, obviously. It's a good company. But I just, I'd never seen that before. I said, well, I'm going to put my teacher credentials in from the state. And they immediately emailed me and said, yeah, we'll offer you this 40% off. And I just, I wish they had the color I wanted. I went to wait a little bit to get some yeah. in.
0: They probably don't keep very many pink ones. Those are, those are limited stock. No, that's what I wanted. Stock. I wanted yeah.
1: Yeah, well, Hello Kitty is my favorite. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we go again. Rainbow,
0: <laughs> rainbow, <laughs> rainbow bright. Yeah, I get it.
1: Bouncing <laughs> around.
2: Robert was waiting. You knew he was waiting for that. He's just, he was pouncing. Man, I was, was waiting ready. for that
0: window. You guys kept talking. I was like, I'm never gonna hey, get this. i to have in. a Hello Kitty
1: hat
2: here <laughs> <laughs> I saw you all leaning forward, man, chopping at the bit. I'm like, all right, well, Mike, and I had 30 seconds of socialize, man. I haven't seen the guy. I haven't oh, seen been him great. like a year, dude. I know.
1: I know it's been <laughs> a year, I think, Scott. Gosh. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh man, no, awesome,
1: Robert. Are you growing a beard, or is it just that uh, you're on the road? Yeah, no, actually, just letting uh, go for a little while.
0: <laughs> actually, I started last week because I was up in New York, so I decided to uh, just not shave. And Sunday night, yeah. I was actually considering whether to shave it off or not. and My daughters were like, "No, you got to keep it." Well, we got to track the progress now and see. Yeah, if you, you got to get it. past. You got to get past the itchy part. Talking about the go ruck and everything is a good lead into what our topic is going to be for the podcast tonight competitive excellence i mean football is kind of wrapping up in several different areas and people started talking about competition levels and you know trying to maintain competitive excellence and those types of things and i thought geez man this is like perfect when you start talking about whether it's in the private sector or in the military just in life in general how much are you competing and trying to maintain yourself to some level whether it's physically mentally whatever the case may be you know, and how much are you pushing yourself to try to excel?
1: I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean,
3: I, can, I just wrote down a couple questions that I think can can spark um, just competition in what we are doing right now. And in terms of like, okay, so how, how does competition transfer from the military and the way you, you breeded that in your organizations while you're in to outside? And how does that look? Um, now that you are in kind of the private sector, I know uh, for you, Mike, in teaching, is there still competition there? How does that look? And Scott, with you, do you still breed competition within your organization and what you all do? And did it transfer like principles from the military?
1: I, man, I, I think it's a great question to phrase. And if you don't mind me jumping on it, I know uh, I, the answer. I mean, the simple answer is no. Nobody's competitive in education uh at, at like like with each other, you know. Um and it's it's very different for me because I think within soft we are competitive and that's what makes us really as, as good as what we are. Um and I always tell guys on my teams that, you know, you're only as good as you were today. So it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're on the range, uh there's beer shoots, whether you're doing PT, you're always trying to one up somebody if you're in the in the uh, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I got to take a break and comment on, you know, Robert just sniffing his armpits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's
0: trying to cough so when you go in the microphone. Do do? <laughs> I was Reminds trying to give that. a straight What's face. That, that chick from from
1: uh, Night Live. sorry LA. <laughs> Superstar. Yeah. No, yeah. I, no, I'm sorry. I, I digress. No, sorry. I think I think that part of being, uh, you know, in a competitive organization is what makes the organization, you know, succeed at high levels. Uh, because if everybody's trying to um, yeah, it's one up each other. I guess you're always trying to trying to push each other and, and do better. And it's it's not out of spite. It's not to to try to show that you're better than everybody. But it's it's to try to show that I, I'm worthy. And every day I come to work, I can hang, and and that's important to us. So I, you know, no, in the in the uh, in the organization that I work in now, you know, it's people are more more focused on what they're doing, looking down rather than looking lateral like we do in saw.
2: No, I, I agree, and I mean you know, being, trying to bring some of that competitiveness uh, that was honed in, in you know, the, the military and the government to, to Australia and to civilian sectors is been massive because it does, you have to, you have to foster competitiveness within the organization. You have to, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? And there's all these business paradigms that we can espouse and, you know, and, and just kind of throw out there, but you, you have to just build competitiveness to within and make it healthy because it has a connotation that it's unhealthy um, and we're breeding that into our kids in across multiple industries but it's absolutely healthy if you embrace it the right way and one of the things that mike said that i love is you're only as good at what you did today so quit resting on your laurels for what you did last week or two weeks ago or some successes that you had in the past life and you can't you know just because you achieved an MBA 20 years ago and you haven't done anything since then doesn't mean that you can just rest there and you know keep telling you know MBA war stories
1: to capitalize on what what scott said with um it's got to be healthy competition. A lot of people in the civilian sector are are threatened by competition, uh, you know, and and they, and they they perceive somebody's excellence or somebody's drive and and ambition as as trying to put them down. And and I think the type of uh, performance excellence that we're talking about is is not that at all. It's it's mutually supporting, and it and it helps the organization do better. And I, I think that if you could do that, it, I mean, it doesn't matter what type of organization that you're in. Um, I I think that everybody if they would all I kind of join into that that type we're we're not we're not competing to to beat each other outside of the military even or even on the teams we're competing to kind of push ourselves to the next level
3: yeah I'd say that those who are those who are kind of intimidated by competition honestly have never experienced the healthy benefits of it and again as you said it's kind of something that needs to be bred from the beginning and in homes kids need to start experiencing it whether it be in sports or in some you know facet in school in a community they need to see competition they need to fail they need to be beat and then kind of see how that makes you that can make you go introspective and then start competing with yourself as well I mean that's that's a huge thing for me right now since I'm I'm an entrepreneur I'm working by myself but the competition in the past has enabled me to push myself and like compete with what I was doing yesterday and day before, and kind of you know.
0: Yeah, I know that uh, I've experienced several different organizations since I've gotten out, and uh, what I found is that it's typically based on the culture of the organization. If there's a competitive um, spirit, I guess you'd call it, that's within an organization, you're going to find a lot of people that are very competitive. Some have competitive edge, and some just really don't get into that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. I found that when you do find those that have the competitive edge, it can be very much a dog-eat-dog kind of society or world. And on occasion, I think those of us who are probably uh, wanting to remain you know, sharp and everything else at times can be uh, perceived as being arrogant, And it might be more uh, confidence, uh, but that perception will start playing over perhaps in a very negative sense. And so it can create challenges for you, I think, at times as well. But, you know, it shouldn't stop you from going out there and and still... Trying to keep that competitive winning edge. I think okay. I think
2: a lot of organizations kind of mistake competitiveness for politics and and backstabbing, and they think they're being competitive by trying to rise and you know where I'm going to do this no matter the cost and whatever. And and that's absolutely not the type of competitiveness that, that I embrace. I mean, you know, that's that's just unhealthy at every level when you don't know you know who your allies are. There are no you know kind of um, there's no team mentality, but. If you're if you're in that type of organization, I really feel for you because that's that's horrific.
3: I like something that is really healthy about competition and organization is it it gives everyone in, like an equal voice towards opportunity. You know, everyone has a standard and how well they achieve it is kind of how, you know, you rack and stack and you're you're re- rewarded accordingly to performance. And even if like so the guy that's an amazing talker but his skills aren't that great, like it kind of merges, yeah, talking to me apart possibly or some kind of communication, but also you got to go hands on and do this task. So, um, yeah, it's it's a level playing field, especially with the, the PJ competitions that I've experienced.
0: One of the things that I wrote down was a comment that if you don't push your ceiling, you'll never know uh, anything other than just your floor height. You know, I've seen people that talk about various people, they go, okay, well, we know where his floor is at, but we don't know quite how how much he can go beyond where he is right now. You know, when you're doing assessments of your staff or, or those types of things. So it's interesting that if you're an individual and you talked about looking at introspectively, if you're not challenging yourself each time to raise that ceiling, and we've talked about this on other po- uh, podcast uh, episodes, you may not know what your ceiling is if you're not really pushing yourself over and over again because where you think your ceiling might be might be very low compared to where it really could be if you push yourself harder. So, in that case, you really just know where your floor is, but you don't really know where your ceiling is.
2: I would pick Mike's brain on this one with the high school students he's teaching and the football players. I mean, that's that's two dynamic environments that you can see, you know, kind of a, a perception of where their skills, abilities, and ceilings are versus where Mike sees them from his experiences. So, I think that would be fascinating.
1: Uh, from the football perspective or just students in general, Scott?
2: Oh, academic as well as athletic. I think you got both I, sides.
1: I think what's interesting is to see kids um, – Perform very well athletically when it's something they're very they're into and, and com- compete at a, a very high level both with each other and then with with an opponent on the other side of the field uh, and then to absorb them in the classroom when it's not the same type of environment and they're they're completely complacent and and want to be led kind of uh, uh, by the seat of their pants to to show them what the answer is uh, these kids will figure out things on the football field how to get by an opponent. Uh, how how to how how to defend against an opponent, uh, somebody who's bigger than them. How they can use speed to their advantage. Um, how 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 we execute specific plays against specific types of defenses uh, to our advantage as a team, and, and to do that competitively together. Uh, the same the same kids you put them in an academic environment, and it's a different cognitive ability. Uh, and I, I some of it some of it just comes from maturity. Right. I mean, that's they, they like football and they like to play that or they like wrestling or something else. Uh, and, and they don't like maybe the topic that they're learning. So they grow into that as they as they become more and more adults. But there's there's something in society, too, that a lot of these younger kids, uh, we have told them the answers for so long that they kind of expect to be to be guided through through something. But we don't guide them through things in football. You know, we drill we drill our, our plays just like we would teach CQB, Scott. You know, we, we, we lay the basics and we do it over and over and over again and then we put variables into it that, that challenge them and that's how you get better. You try to do that in a classroom and a lot of times they could look up it and say, What page is this on? Yeah. You know, or or, or I, I don't understand what you want.
3: And or it's comfort, the same right?
1: it's the same kid. The kids are capable of it. Yeah. Uh and, and it comes a little bit from from maturity, cognitive ability, and and some motivation. Uh, which which I don't know, maybe maybe there's an aspect of, to competitiveness in the classroom that I haven't explored that maybe I should.
3: Um, I mean, it wasn't too long ago when I was in the, the high OK, like eight years ago, I was in the high school scene. Um, and I, I definitely think a thing I was tricking myself with was believing that, you know, things weren't a competition. But as I've gone on into the military and realizing, you know, everything's a competition at some level. You know, you don't have to just treat everything like, you know, you're trying to one up people, especially in conversation. It gets really old if you're just, you know, a one up or a stories and stuff like that. But just coming to a realization that the environments that you're in are competitive in nature and being able to like define that and discern that um, is huge. And, you know, you can't kid yourself to the fact that you're not in competition.
0: You know, it's interesting that you talked about how the, the student athlete looks at the football field versus the classroom, Mike, because, you know, you think about um, those individuals who like to compete at the highest level in many cases or um, enjoy the competition on the football field and try to get better by using that to their advantage, you know, to try to make better improvements, whether it's in the weight room or whatever the case may be by watching film. But yet, when it does come to the classroom, and like you said, it's, it might be a maturity level where they're, they don't find that it's something that's their passion that they really enjoy doing. It's the monotony or the things that just um, th- doesn't excite them. And you think about that, too, as it relates to the private sector, that if somebody doesn't find their purpose and passion and doesn't really do something that excites them every morning to hit that alarm and snooze button to get out of the bed, they're going to run into the same thing because they're not challenging themselves first You know, when they get up in the morning and make the bed, because the most important thing is to make your bed. And then secondly is to get out there and find people that they feel like are their peers and understand who their peer group is and challenge those people as well as their self to raise the bar to the next level.
2: But you have to surround yourself with people that compliment you, because one of the underlying themes, without going negative on the talk, is fear and insecurity almost belay competitiveness, right? I mean, so we, we don't want to even, oh, I, I'm not going to, you know, like Mike's kids in the classrooms, right? If they're, if they're insecure in the classroom and they're secure on the football field, they just act like, you know, uh, well, I don't, I don't have to care too much in here. I'm just going to check out. I'm not even going to try. So if we surround ourselves, by pe- surround ourselves with people that allow our fears and insecurities to be highlighted, then we almost by by default, drop our competitive level to a level that we're, we don't want to compete. But when we surround ourselves, I mean, good Lord, you look at a, an, an ODA, an A-team, an SF. You surround yourself with people who are as competitive, if not more competitive than you are in a healthy way and who motivate you and who know your strengths and know your weaknesses and are doing everything that they can to, to empower your strengths and educate your weaknesses on a, on a minute-by-minute basis, you're going to thrive. And when you digest that and you start to live like that, That becomes how you want to live everywhere else. And that's, you know, we talk transition all the time. So then we take that type of mentality and we plug ourselves into an environment to where fear and insecurity abound. And now we're the, you know, we're the pariah, we're the outside element trying to look like and we're deemed as uber competitive or hyper competitive when that's not really the case at all.
0: Actually, one of the things that I wrote down was uh, when competition is weak, people become satisfied with that and they, they don't compete nearly as hard. So, you know, like you said, it's who you surround yourself with. And again, we we talked about this on another episode that you got to find five people that you can surround yourself with that um, really take you to that next level. You know, if you can find a team of individuals that are very much like minded that you can reach out to, that you can communicate with and um, bounce ideas and uh, challenge one another on a daily basis and hold each other accountable, then you're going to be all that much more better. Uh, because they're gonna they're gonna challenge you every day to try to raise that ceiling that we're talking about and become better. Whether again it's through education and learning, whether it's finding new ways of doing what you're currently doing. And, and again, if we can go back to the football thing. As a coach, you know one of the things you can do is this year you might teach certain techniques, but what you may want to do is reach out and call another coach from another school that you see that is doing really well, or if you know a player that's gotten to the college level. You know, as a high school coach, you can call them up and say, hey, what, what is Coach Smith teaching you up there that I didn't teach you? What are some of the techniques that he's providing you um, that I can pass on and mentor and coach to the team that's here? And um, because you learn also from the people that you raised up that go on and pass on to other areas within either the military uh, to go on and better themselves, so they get you get move on out of the military, um, those types of things. And what I found is that some of my best mentors um, were actually people that I mentored at one time frame that have now turned around and started helping mentor me in the same way.
3: That's a great point. Yeah, Mike, I'm just thinking like, I I hope those uh, high school students are going to listen to this podcast because you know, competition at that level is seen more acutely. um, But I know, like I look back at the the people I was in, in class with and stuff and those who actually like applied themselves academically, they are the ones who, you know, have the prize now. You know, they're they're well employed, they're self sufficient, they've learned a lot in life, um, just because of the platform that they had leaving high school. And it's kind of yeah, you don't you don't see that prize and that is something that mentors and people who kind of have been there needs to start instilling in that younger generation of, hey, this is the, I mean, you gotta be self sufficient you gotta become a man
0: now. One of the things that we can talk about as well is that when you're a leader and you're actually trying to evaluate your team and and your staff, whether, again, whether you're in the military, in the private sector or whatever, it's important to try to recognize those individuals that are always trying to excel. Um, Mm -hmm. And some people do that in different ways. I mean, you have introverts, you have extroverts, and you've got to be very mindful of how your team functions and the individual um, roles that each person plays And at times you might find that some of those people who are introverts may not outwardly show it in ways that the extroverts do, but they very much want to be competitive and raise their ceiling, uh, but that you have to challenge them or find them, seek that person out in different ways and recognize them in different ways as well. So it's about understanding the, the dynamics of different people and how they relate to that competitive excellence.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Many leaders fail to realize it's not a templated exercise, that you can't hold everybody by the same kind of checklist that you, you hold you know some other people by. You have to individualize the, the assessments and you have to empower everybody's competitiveness to their level. And, and that's why a lot of leaders kind of fail because they want to make it a checklist. You know, hey, we're going to get together as a team and, and we're all going to be competitive. Yay, team, go. You know, high five, break. And, and then they wonder six months later why it's not an effective strategy because it's individual competitiveness resides within each of us. And then you enable that individual competitiveness at an organizational level. That's when you start to thrive.
0: You know, and when you're talking about a young leader too, you may not recognize that within each individual and the importance of um, having to recognize that. What will help them raise the bar? Because what I found in leadership is that in many cases, individuals may not have the passion um, in the current occupation that they're in And so if I can help them raise the bar and raise their ceiling by putting them in or plugging them into a different mentor, putting them in a different department, helping them find the skill sets that they're looking for to go in a different direction as far as an occupation, as a leader, that's what I'm supposed to do. And it may mean that it doesn't benefit me personally, uh, but it's to help benefit that individual. And that's, to me, what a good leader does. Amen.
3: Yeah. And... and Uh, something I just pulled out of what you were just saying Robert is that competition is able to kind of see where people are at especially if you're new and then tailor you know any instruction they might need or a position hey like that person competed well in this area so let's put them there but it also kind of exposes places in the actual mission once you're there kind of doing the work um that could be a problem before you get to the mission so it's in in a controlled environment that you found out where the problem might be and you fixed it before, you know, it was go time and it could be a catastrophic thing.
1: Some of the things that I, I try to tell kids is 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 we've got a few athletes that are really good at one position. So there's really really two things. One, it's it's really good at one position and they and they feel they want to be the best at that position, which is great, but you may not be competitive at a D1 school at that position if you don't if you don't grow into what that that program can use to make a, a d1 linebacker running back defensive end something like that uh, so you got to be versatile and you got to be a football player first and and you've got to you got and that's part of being competitive right you've got to learn different positions that makes you a better athlete as a as a good athlete you can go into a program and play a lot of things uh, and then the second thing is look at the classroom uh, if you look at your your top performing d1 and d schools in the country uh, they've got a collective gpa that is as higher than your poor, poorer performing schools. And, and generally uh, most of your D one schools set a GPA at anywhere between 2.7 and three, which is pretty high in college. Uh, But if you, if you look at a guy like Saban who has one of the best recruiting records, must be an Alabama fan there. Oh
3: yeah.
1: Uh, But if you look at a guy like Saban who who has one of the best recruiting records uh, for taking guys and it's, it's a data driven system, right? Uh, That, that you've got a guy who's the right size who has the right temperament, who has the right attitude, who has the right work ethic, and he has it going on in a classroom and he doesn't have any disciplinary issues. All that goes into a rubric, and, and you're, you're graded against thousands of other players in the country, and it comes down to a number. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, if you're one of those guys, you know, and this, this number ranges really if you're competitive to play college ball from four to six, um, if you're a guy who's a four – you're not going to play for Saban, man. He's not going to pick you up, and you're a good football player. Uh, but if you if you if you're a five, if you're pushing a six, uh, and, and it's all those things, it's it's a well-rounded thing, and and being a, a good student is one of them uh, because you know football today is an intelligence sport. It's not it's not what it was when I was a kid. All you had to do is beat the guy in front of you. Uh you've gotta you've gotta learn and know a lot of things to be competitive and be successful in football. At at you know, at good D two programs and, and at any D one school anyway. So high school athletes, you know, that's a that's a learning process for them as they're coming in and they they've got it. Um I'm more than just, you know, a, a
0: quarterback. Let's take that and spin that though towards those individuals that'll be listening to the podcast that might be a interested in attending um you know soft school or joining the soft community because i mean it it applies exactly the same right
2: it's universal so what mike just said is absolutely universal and that's what i was about to jump off my chair and go yes because it's it's corporate international as well you know there are no it's not punching widgets and factory work for the most part i know there are still people out there doing that but in today's post-university world it's knowledge work and you have to be well-rounded and you have to fit in. And it's not just, can you come in and do social media or can you come in and do marketing or are you the new manager and leader with an MBA or are you X, Y, Z, whatever. You have to be that well-rounded person or else you don't fit in. And you have to fit into that rubric, like Mike said, that's organizationally in, in this many facets, culture and everything else throughout that. So mm-hmm. it, it absolutely is relevant, not only in the software world, but business world as well. Mic drop. <laughs> but I mean, you know, look at look at I mean, look at the Q course, Mike. Right? I mean, if if you're going to get through the Q course, you can't just be a PT stud because you no. know if you don't have, it, it, you can't just be an academic. You, you have to be a good mixture of both. You know that that warrior scholar type deal. PJs, you know, same type of yep. stuff. I mean, you know, unless we're talking seals, that's the only time it can be stronger. You know, and and get through the whole training. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: just wrong. Uh, but true. Maybe you're wrong. But true. but true. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. I was hoping for a backup there. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you expect of the two SF guys? So No,
1: I I think I think it's the same when you get to a team too. Why do we cross-train? You know, why do we why do we diversify skill sets across the team? Why do we send, you know, only a couple guys of Sodic and a couple of guys of Sephardic? Uh, because those guys make the team stronger. Uh, but you've got to be uh, available, willing, able, and qualified and, and one of those skills that you can go out and, and then execute it. Very, very well at a high level, um, and I, 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 agree. I mean, looking at it from what I'm, what I'm talking to athletes about, and when I'm looking at young football teams, I think, I think it's, it's very much the same thing that my objective is, is to get them to understand that you know you can, we, can, if I can put you anywhere on the football field, then you are going to play in every game. And, and, and I've got a couple of kids that, that came on this year and haven't played since they were very, very young. And it, it's not any, I mean, it's a five, A football program. So, I mean, it's a, it's a big program and it, it's, it's, it costs a little bit to get going into this program. And parents were worried about kids not playing. I'm like, well, if they want to play football. Uh, and are willing to, to learn the positions we need them to play. In, and then they're going to play. And I've got kids that haven't played football in years and came out of here saying, you know, we said, we're, we're going to start you at tight end. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they become a defensive end. And then ultimately by the end of the season, you're free safety, making, making good interceptions because you're an athlete first. Right. And then a position player second. So you, if you're willing to do what the organization needs, uh, then we can teach you the skills to do that.
0: And that translates so well to the private sector as well, because the one thing that I used to hate is to have to be in a, spe- a specific role that becomes very regimented or uh, routine on a daily basis. It drove me absolutely insane. And so, one of the things I think that the military does for us, as you begin going through your career, is it even—it doesn't even matter if you stay within the same MOS. You—you you frequently move. You frequently get doing assignments as you move up in rank. You may go to a three shop. You may end up going to a, you know, or, or some other um, uh, type of role in a command uh, position or something of that nature that, that gives you a a different perspective, puts different skill sets on you, and the whole thing. But when I see, as I'm working through as a consultant, especially within an organization where people actually enjoy doing very specific things, as a matter of fact, it looks very much like one person does one thing, they pass it on to another person who does one thing, who passes it on to another person who does one thing, and mm-hmm. everybody is quite satisfied with it. So when someone comes in like me and says, it's time to move your cheese, I'm going to I'm gonna end up moving you to something different. Um, then they get really upset because, of course, it's sort of like the uh, the movie in Ants where the leaf falls and they don't know where to go. They get lost. So if you're an individual that starts focusing on what's best for the organization, what's best for the team, as opposed to what's good for you, you're going to have a longer life within that organization than you would if you were the person that likes the very regimented, this is my cubicle, I do these steps and I pass it on to Mike.
1: I think you should go and explain that using that same analogy to every kid who ever gets levied to Swick. That's what I think because, because I mean, there, there's, so much, uh, there's so much to say about that. I, I, I mean, everybody want, goes to the Q course and they want to be on a team and they want to stay on a team forever. And and there are some really good team guys who do that. Uh, but, you know, I had the opportunity uh, against my will to do three years out at Camp McCall and teach at Small Unit Tactics And then I was a branch guy for a year and a half working in a big army organization. It really, really opened my eyes to how the way the army works and taught me how much better I had it uh, in group than everybody else in in the rest of the military. And then uh, working in a Pentagon and working in a major command in Lebanon, I I think that by the time you get to levels where you can really contribute to to organizational success, man, you've got to have a lot of perspective that you bring to Mm -hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. And, and guys, guys, young guys, particularly, man, I get it. I was the same way. Uh, they, they don't understand how much more competent they are when they come back as team sergeants and company sergeant majors or even company commanders and battalion commanders once they've worked in, in big army or joint organizations to see how things like the CONOP process works and, and, and things like that. And I'm sure it's the same in a civilian organization. you just got to get outside of what you're comfortable doing. Uh, to to gain that experience it's, and bring it back,
0: it's breadth and depth of knowledge. The more that you can experience to gain breadth and depth within. Uh, Organizations, skills types and everything else you become the most valuable player on the team and so when you relate that back to even football if you're the athlete and that's your title that means you have the capability to play within multiple roles and like you said you're going to see playing time if you are the individual that understands the breadth and depth of an organization you're going to be the mvp of that organization as well because you're the go-to person that the organization is going to come to whenever things are uh, failing or they need recommendations or whatever the case may be. That's, that's the role that you really want to play. But to do that, then it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, how you've got to remain competitive, constantly learning, constantly trying to look introspectively at yourself of how you can make improvements and trying to raise those around you to, to help you keep reaching a higher ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, And it seems, it seems like one of the
3: big things that I'm, I'm also getting from you guys talking because, I mean, I'm listening to a lot of wisdom right now. I want to be sponging. But um, it's it's basically like the person who is not well-rounded, you know, is just kind of focusing in that one area, doesn't understand the need for competition. It just, they, it just doesn't make sense to them because they don't have the perspective that applies to the benefit of it.
2: Maturity. Well, they have it. It's just misplaced. Right. It's, yeah. it's misplaced competition. It's it's competition on a micro level, and and normally that's competition one on one on one, right? It's competition against my peer. I'm battling for this position on the team or this position on the organization to get to here. I want to raise. I want you know a, a better position or whatever. And, and and like Mike said, until you get that macro level view of what different stuff, and you feel the pain of the micro level view guys underneath you doing stuff, it's it's hard to fathom the whole bigger picture. And that's why. You know, when you when you truly go back to what I just said of understanding your operational environment, whether that operational environment is a football team and you know the necessity to be an athlete and be a, a well-rounded player on that team to get more chances to go play D1 football, or whether that's understanding your operational environment in an ODA or at a corporation, you have to understand the left and right limits that you have and be competitive healthily within those left and right limits so that you can start to thrive and, and achieve the goals that, that you set out personally and organizationally.
0: Me, me, me. That's what you end up getting when when you're very young and you're immature and and don't understand either um, you know the the big corporate world out there and the and the way things operate and and how your role is going to fit in or whether you're in a military organization very much uh, is the same. I mean when you're very young, again brian to your point you don't always see the big picture you're always looking out for yourself what can i do what do i need to do but sometimes what you need to do is just step back and realize the most important thing you can do at this point is be that sponge and try to learn as much as you can and volunteer for as many opportunities within an organization project management is a great way or projects where you get on several different projects and get exposed to The different initiatives that are going on within an organization to try to fix things that are broke or try to improve things um, or step up and start asking questions of other people within the military on a specific team how do you do that hey teach me how to do this and those types of things before that uh, before too long your knowledge starts allowing you that breadth and depth that we talked about and your maturity starts to come into play because you begin to understand through that that awareness and stuff, those things that are around you, and you go from being kind of ignorant of what you thought and perceived other people and yourself to now that that more mature role and how you can now see things for the organization, and that's what plays more important as opposed to the me me me. Yeah, and
3: it seems like competition, even though you know it's it's easier to get caught up on the micro results of it, you really just got to believe that you know it's pushing you into the person that you didn't know you could become. And that's that's the power of continuing to put yourself in it because you're like, well, it got me to this place, whether it be you you lost big or you won big. So I'm gonna continue to get in that environment, compete, and then become who I wanna be, but I'm not quite sure what that looks like yet. But I know competition can get me there.
2: Well you just said it, Brian, and this is, you know, apologies for the proud parent moment you know but this is a difference right when you couple competitiveness with goals and achievable goals and you outline where you want to be and then you tie that bow with a work ethic right like my my youngest son is 10 and he's a hell of a soccer player like he's the leading scorer on all his teams or whatever when he was eight he came to me and he said hey dad how do I score more goals and so I said look go down to the field with me every night and shoot 100 shots on goal I'll be the goalie and we'll just do this Every night for an entire summer, we did that. And so all of his teammates, he came back the next season, and he was just blowing the goals, up, killing it. And so all of his teammates said, well, hey, how does how's Dylan doing so good? How is he scoring so many goals? How is Dylan so good? I'm like, he works his butt off, like daily. He gets out there, and it's not all shooting. It's not all <laughs> dribbling. He, he studies the game. He watches stuff. He, he has an absolute work ethic that he ties to his competitiveness. And he's 10. Like, I'm, I'm fully stating this about a 10-year-old. I realize that. But he goes out there for an hour and a half at night, and I'll just kick the soccer ball to him, and he'll just trap it on his thigh, trap it, trap it, trap it, over and over a thousand times. And Mike will tell you, building that muscle memory, his touch on the ball against his peers who want to play Xbox and stuff, he could care less about any of that stuff. His competitive drive coupled with his work ethic – makes him the leading scorer on all his teams and makes him so much more competitive.
0: Muscle memory. Yeah, brain, that's muscle awesome. Memory.
1: Yeah. I'll take that one step further, Scott. And there are a couple of guys that I coach with who play pro football. And that's, that's exactly what, what they say got them to the next level. Starting in high school, uh, they were the ones who were working at night, that were working on in the off season, that were working after practice, that were asking for other tips, that were trying to a, as sophomores in high school trying to get a, a starting job on the varsity, that that did the same thing, you know, junior college or D one football, and ultimately got them into the combine and got got looked at and and drafted into the NFL, uh, and, and it's it's not that they were, yes, yeah, some genetically you've got to be a, a bigger person to play NFL football, but you still have to have grades, work ethic, character, uh, you you, you can't get in trouble. And and you've got that part of that character piece, man, is is I'm going to outwork everybody else to be the best that I can be. And that's what just I I think, I think sets a a lot of people apart uh, when you're talking, you know, individual and organizational competitiveness. Somebody
2: asked me that from the Green Beret Foundation a couple weeks ago when I was in the States. They said, you know, do you ever sleep? And I said, no, because if I'm forced to the problem set, I just work harder than anybody else I can to figure it out. You know, like I will literally try my best to outwork anybody else in history to get to my
1: goal and do whatever. I, I don't know what to do when I don't have something to do.
2: I don't know. how. My wife tells me I don't know how to relax. I don't know how I, to rest. If I'm, I know.
1: I, I said that when, when I when I left. My, my, when I might have finished my master's program. and I've been really, really busy taking on coaching and stuff this year. But when when football season and I told Beth the same thing, I'm like, what do I do with my time?
3: Yeah. You know,
1: she's like, well, spend time with me. So, OK, that's what I'm doing. But, you know, <laughs> right answer. <laughs> initially, initially, I no, but I've been I've been go, go, go for so long that that what's what's the next challenge? What do I what do I have to do? I mean, so I, I set tasks and priorities and things like that. But it, I mean, it's part of it's the nature of saw and where we come from. And and we've we've challenged ourselves to be competitive with, with each other for so long that it's innate to be competitive with ourselves. And and it's something about being intrinsically motivated now to to just continue to to try to, to I, I mean I'm not competing with anybody that I work with. I'm not. I'm I'm trying to be better than I was today. You know, back back to what I said initially. You're only as good as you were today. So I am trying tomorrow to be better than I was today, which should be pretty easy because I really <laughs> suck today. <laughs>
2: But hey man, the only easy day was yesterday, right?
0: That's right. <laughs> Self-motivation, though. I love it because it starts This is there.
2: an homage to my Sewell brothers. Like, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> quoting them.
0: Uh. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. Hey everyone, Robert here. I love supporting veteran-owned companies, and Mentors for Military recently partnered with Skeleton Optics to offer a 10% discount to our listeners. That's right, 10%. These aren't your regular run-of-the-mill sunglasses, by the way, the frames are handcrafted in Italy with Zeiss Vision lenses. Use the code mentors for mil or Mentors4MIL at skeletonoptics.com and you'll receive your 10% discount automatically at checkout. Hurry up and get on over there to support a veteran-owned company.